Hey guys, welcome to another episode of More Than a Podcast with your host, James, and as always here to give you guys more of the greatness. So let's jump right in. This has been one interesting week for me, yours truly, and I want to start by saying I have been so excited uh, with this past week. Uh, I actually got uh, a new car. Well, it's not brand new, but it is a, a used car that I was able to secure. And and I'm just so happy because I have had enough of public transportation. Like um, it's just yeah, public transportation can be extremely uh, off putting. Uh, and mostly mostly the reason that I get an attitude about public transportation is because I think when when people do anything publicly, they feel like they have the right to do everything publicly. So you'll just see a lot of things that uh, will be unnecessary as far as humanity is concerned. And I, I just find it very disturbing. And it, it usually usually if you want to know how 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 well humanity is going, you take a bus and you'll see because, man, you will just see some wild things and wild people. And yeah, just weird. And I'm so glad to just be back in my own ride. Um, and mostly I'm glad to, to get away from the last car that I had because I was sold a bill of goods. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where somebody sold you something or promised you something that, you know, had all all of the bells and whistles and features that you may be looking for as as a buyer. And, you know, you turn around and figure that, yeah, not all there. What's really funny about my old car <clears throat> is that it used to be a taxi. And I didn't know that until I had a good friend of mine uh, take a look at it. Like <clears throat> when I went and bought that car, I went by myself and I was just so hungry to have a car at that time. That was about two and a half, three years ago. And I was just so hungry to just have a car that I really didn't even take a look at anything uh, that, you know, that that a person would normally look at when when securing a vehicle. Like I just I didn't look at anything. Um, and that's my bad. But, you know, it was really funny. I had a friend. He was kind of going through my car, looking at every little thing. And he goes, this used to be a taxi. And I goes, I go, what? He goes, yeah, this used to be a taxi. I said, well, how can you tell? He goes, well, look at the bottom of of the um, the hood. He goes, you can see, you know, the, the you can see like where they where they painted. They did. He's like, this isn't even, this isn't even a good paint job. But you can see like the yellow underneath. He was like, and there, you know, there's only one color taxis are. <laughs> so I started laughing and then we went through the back and he said, yep. And it has a used battery. And it was just this whole just nightmare list of things, <clears throat> of things that I didn't consider, I didn't think about. And, you know, shamefully, you know, I, I uh, looked down on the fact that, hey, you weren't thorough. So you deserve every bit of this. Um, but yeah, this car that I have, uh, new SUV um, that I got, it's a 2012 Nissan Rogue. Pretty decent, man. Like I, I uh, had it for a couple of days, and yeah, like I so far I'm enjoying it. I still have uh, four more, four or five more days uh, before I can decide if I want it, but I'm gonna keep it because it's been, it's been. Uh, no, nothing's really, nothing's really stood out as far as like an issue. I think the only issue I got is that this thing has a archaic uh, stereo system. Thing still has a CD player, and I don't remember the last time that I bought any kind of CD. So 
uh, we'll have to remedy that at a later date. But uh, anyway, outside of, you know, all my car joy, I've been having a really good time with uh, media. Media has been really uh, cranking it up. I know a lot of you are probably out there playing near replicant, uh, which is just released. Um, everybody's been highly anticipating that game uh, near automata or automata uh, near automata. I think that's how you pronounce it. That was the last release in that particular series. And it's a well-received uh, series of games. And I actually enjoyed the last one. I haven't picked up replicant yet, um, but I am looking forward to seeing uh, the, uh, outpour of positive uh, reviews and feedback and, and seeing exactly how people are taking that game in. So I'm highly excited. And if you do have it, I hope you're having a great time. Um, outside of that, uh, I've been really enjoying where we're going with the uh, movies that we're, ha we're having and all the shows that we have been uh, going on. And, you know, one movie in particular is the uh, highly anticipated Mortal Kombat. So the Mortal Kombat film just released yesterday and uh, it came out in theaters and also on HBO Max. And uh, I have HBO Max, so that's the way that I saw it. And th this is basically what I'm what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about Mortal Kombat. I'm going to talk about the uh, the things that I liked, the things that I didn't like so much. I'm going to talk about the potential of it as a as a series going forward uh, or, you know, films going forward. And I'm just I'm basically going this is going to be, uh, you know, filled with spoilers. So if you haven't taken the time to see Mortal Kombat and you care about that type of thing, then I would say, uh, you know, pause the podcast or, or, you know, come back to this show later uh, after you've seen it. And then let's talk about it later. Uh, but if you have seen it, then let's kind of talk about it now, because I definitely I, I've watched the film three times. You know, I always feel like you have to watch it a few times um, just to really make sure that everything that you're looking at is, you know, clicking the right emotions when you watch it. And sometimes you sometimes certain emotions kind of change depending on when you watch it. Like the first time I watched it was at midnight. Second time I watched it was uh during <laughs> during work um and uh third time was when i got home from work so um yeah uh the one thing that i'll say just right off the back is it's a good film it's a really really good film uh, i think they it was very well done and the biggest standout uh that lets that should let fans know how good it is is every fight sequence the fight sequences were completely amazing I mean, I didn't expect them to be that good, but every last one of the fight sequences, just the fluidity within the fights, it just all seems so natural. I think there was a lot more lent to it, you know, with the rating that they had to show more of the brutal nature of fighting. Uh, so there was a lot of that. And it was just it, it was really good as far as, you know, the combat um, that was going on between, you know, certain adversaries and characters and, and whatnot. So I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I also enjoyed the unique looks of each of the characters. I, I, I have to say everybody short of the, the like human characters, you know, like your Sonya's, your Jack's, 
um, Cole, who is the uh, the kind of entry level uh, character. You know, they they it, it's kind of like the placement of a character because there may be new fans, so new fans want to resonate with somebody who, like them, is not familiar with what they're going through, and you know these people just look like normal people to me but you know like the the character characters like your Liu Kang's your Kung Lyles um you know and all the other characters they showed they man they were just spot on they were so spot on as far as their looks Raiden looked cool um I wish he had I I wish he had a better uh a better outfit maybe Maybe something that had more armor to it and less cloth, um, but you know he. But he looked pretty dope. Um, Shang Tsung looked all right, but he never really looked like he was ready for a fight. Um, which you know, a, as the sorcerer who's you know overseeing the whole you know overtaking of Earth and yada yada. Like yeah, he had a very. Um, regal sense about him you know walking around with his flowing gold cape and his you know jade you know green outfit and his hair adornments and all this other stuff i i got i gotta say though one of the other you know really kick-ass things about uh the film is the fatalities like there was a bunch of fatalities and I enjoyed the fatalities because they didn't pose them as fatalities they posed them as you know just kind of over like okay so like let, let's talk about the fatalities so the first fatality uh was kano and it was him uh uh fighting reptile and well really really it's funny because the way that they pose it in the trailer they make it seem like it was reptile versus kano in a one-on-one -on -one fight but it truly was not it was just kind of, you know, he, he it was a three on one because Reptile was fighting the three of them. And he was more animalistic as opposed to being, a, you know, a bipedal human reptile hybrid. Like, no, he was just he was just kind of like a regular lizard. Um, but he did stand up bipedal to catch that fatality. So Kano pulls out his heart. And one of the things that I found really cheesy was the lines that you know they would say after doing whatever fatality so he pulls out his heart and you know then he says kano wins and it's like who would say that like i would never knock somebody out and then just say james wins like that's just dumb um the one of my favorite fatalities was um was kung lao uh kung lao kung lao did a fatality and we're going to talk about the character that he did the fatality on in a minute but i just want to talk about the fatality in itself so his fatality was super cool i think it was probably the best fatality out of all the ones that i saw um it was the buzzsaw hat in the ground and yeah uh, well he he kind of did it in reverse which i thought was pretty cool so he um he he surfboarded he surfboarded a character into the hat and then you know proceeded to pick the hat up and put it on and then he says a cheesy line flawless victory and i'm just like who says that like no um shang Tsung, his fatality was completely awesome i i do like how they gave it gave it a bit of uh th there was a 
there was a dramatic nature about it because he it was the soul sucking fatality where he lifts you up and then kind of just draws back the other arm and it looked very dynamic and and very um you know <laughs> obviously fatal to the person that it's happening to um but man it 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 was it was good it was very good i i just told myself you know in if this was a true life scenario, this is kind of how I would see this happening to an individual, you know, not as quick as it happens in the game because it happens fairly quickly in the game. Um, the Liu Kang uh, fatality, uh, the one that everybody's seen through the trailers, um, it was OK, but I'll just say it like this. I was less impressed because the dragon didn't do what the dragon normally does because normally the dragon um, bites the uh, the opposition in half, just clean in half. And I I thought that would I thought that's where we were going. And I thought that would have made for an, an amazing uh, fatality, you know, to just clearly just bite him just right in half. Um, but no, it didn't. It, I mean, it clamped down on him, but it just set just set him on fire. And uh, and that was it. You know, and then he died on fire. And I just I thought that was weird. Um, Sonya Blade. Now, Sonya, I that kind of went as like a fatality slash um, uh, slash her regular move because she did. She had the uh, the pink rings that she shoots out. And, uh, you know, she did the whole seeing through the body and kind of the spine still connecting. Um, I know the latest time we've seen that was with Cassie Cage um, doing it, but um, it was interesting. And she did it to Melina. And I, I think, okay, so I didn't like hers too much only because it just happened so fast. Like she appears out of nowhere. She shoots the rings. It hits Melina. And then Melina just dies. There's no fight. There's just no fight. So I was a little upset about the way that that went. Now, now with those fatalities that had happened, and uh, and then we'll talk about the, the just the ultimate one. The scorpion fatality was absolutely amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Like I really like how they did that because they did because they didn't make it as cheesy as him uh, pulling off his skin to reveal a skeleton head like no they just showed you know this kind of hell flame coming out his mouth and it was kind of burning and peeling away his skin to reveal a lower end skeleton on his but he still had his his face and it, oh man it was just so good it was so good oh and i'm missing the other uh, uh two other fatalities so then there's Sub-Zero's original fatality, well, it really wasn't a fatality he's ever done to anybody, but to what he what he did to Jax uh, was pretty cool, um, breaking his arms, you know, turning them into ice and then just shattering them. You know, like he, I, it, it kind of made me think of, uh, of the, uh, you know, the, the ice kind of, he, like when he, he frees you in the ice and he uppercuts you and takes off a chunk of your body or the snowball one where he explodes you with a snowball. Like it makes me think of those fatalities, but it was, it was pretty well done. And then Jack's uh, fatality, his fatality was really, really good. And it was also comedic. And, and Kano was, Kano was obviously 
the uh, the comic relief in the in the entire film. But I do believe that they gave Jax a really good line after his fatality. He's probably the only person that did a fatality that said a line that fit the the moment perfectly. Uh, and he did his kind of he did his grape smasher uh, fatality, which was really, really cool. Now, let's talk about the bad points, the really bad points. So the first thing that I would say as far as the bad is that they really shot themselves in the foot with the uh, with the evil characters, the antagonists, because short of Shang Tsung and uh, and Sub-Zero, you really didn't find yourself caring too much about the others. And I I, I don't I, I just think that they weren't fleshed out very well. Like Cabal was interesting, but there really wasn't any, you know, there, there really wasn't any presence to his character. Uh, he had a lot of slick lines that he said. And, you know, there was that. But short of short of, the, you know, lines here and there. And I think his fights with Liu Kang were pretty interesting. But I, I just I felt like he could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Um, Melina as well. Melina was done horribly because, you know, as much as I enjoy the character, uh, the, the lady who played Melina and, you know, they, they did give her a pretty good scene later, you know, before she died, you know, she, you know, she gets to the point where her mouth opens up really, really wide. But I feel like, man, that would have been a really good time to give her kind of a, a slimy CGI type of tongue and, you know, just kind of really bring that, that animal out that, but you know, they didn't really do that and she didn't have too many lines. And I, you know, it, it was, she was, she was interesting and she did a lot of her normal moves that she does in the game. Um, but I just felt like she could have been done a lot better. But the one character that I feel like was done absolutely horribly was uh, Natara. Uh, if you don't know who Natara is, she was uh, from the Deadly Alliance trilogy of games uh, that came out. And she's the uh, vampire um, who was a really cool character, had a really cool concept. I personally would have enjoyed to see that character uh, make a return in some of the, the new games. But they actually uh, busted her out for um, for the uh, movie. And she was pretty she was pretty interesting. She wasn't bad but i just felt like there was so much more like she had no speaking lines um or at least no speaking lines that i could remember and you know from 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 the introduction of her character to the end of her character she probably only had been in the movie for not even five minutes and i just felt like that was a terrible injustice that you know was done to a character that could have shown so much and I think their take on Raiko, um, which Raiko is one of my favorite characters. He's he's a character that uh, showed up in Mortal Kombat Four, and you know it, he was he was supposedly you know I remember back in in the day we used to always speculate that he was Shang Soon without the helmet, and I know they teased that a lot with uh, with the games, um, you know, with some of the FMVs that they did at the end of the games during the endings, but. Uh, they made him more like a barbarian, which he did take that kind of look in uh, some of the later games. But I just I didn't really enjoy it. They just made him like just a, a mad barbarian. And it just didn't feel right. You know, it didn't feel right at all. 
it's really hard for me to say what they could have done differently as far as like I I don't know like I I think it's almost like they just had a dartboard with the enemies and just kind of threw darts and just wherever you know they landed they said okay we're going to put them in the film and we're not really going to worry about substance you know like I, I feel like the only two characters that sold substance on the antagonist side were Bihan and Shang Tsung and rightfully so in a way but I feel like there could have been some throwaway lines that every character could have had. You know, it would have been cool to see. It would have been cool to see Melina mention her sister or even mention her father, you know, kind of in a, you know, a, a kind of pre Thanos type of way. You know, we reference we always reference the big bads to, you know, a Thanos reveal, because I don't think any I don't think any film series has revealed their big bad as as well as the Avengers did. Um, but even Raiko could have said something about being the general of Shao Kahn's army, you know, and, <clears throat> you know, that could have been a tell to what we may potentially see in the future. Um, I sorely wish they would have given Natara some type of line, but the fact that they didn't um, was just a waste. And I mean, she was pretty well done as far as a character was concerned. Um, but I just, you know not fleshed out um overall the film was just great it was good it was hokey it was campy it was cheesy but it was done like that in all the right ways um i i would i i would definitely recommend i would definitely recommend anybody watch it you know like if you if you're into action movies definitely give it a watch you know because it's it's at the at just at the bottom line at the base of it all, it is a really entertaining outing. Um, short of that, talk about uh, another Friday extravaganza. The uh, finale of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier happened this past Friday. And that is one of my was one of my very anticipated uh, releases. And I was super hyped to go and see that. What's really funny is that I was... I was more hyped to see the finale of Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I bought into uh, staying up for Mortal Kombat. Now, you know, it was just the anticipation of, you know, all the, you know, the years that we had been <clears throat> waiting for it and, you know, finally, you know, then being pushed back the week um, to let uh, Kong uh, Godzilla versus King Kong have its um, have its kind of run, which, you know, and it's really funny because like to compare those two films, like. I would honestly tell you that I think uh, Godzilla versus Kong is a better film than Mortal Kombat. Um, but that's just how I feel. I, I feel like that film was um, had a little bit more love going into it. But they also had a lot more to work with, you know, with the films uh, prior um, being released. So there was a lot to lean on. And with this Mortal Kombat film, it's not really it's not necessarily that they're leaning on anything, um, but they're setting a precedence for what could potentially be um a series but we'll we'll see um but yeah falcon and winter soldier finale was amazingly good um and i, I think man you know like before we even get to talking about it i just want to say this because i don't think a lot of people had very much confidence in marvel or disney to produce um very good you know um 
offerings on the uh, Disney Plus, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, outing um, outlet. I, like, I don't, I don't think I like I know I wasn't very confident in it. I was just like, there's no possible way that you can do Marvel products short of what Netflix has done, which I felt like. I felt like Netflix did a pretty decent job uh, leading up to the Defenders. I think they, I think they really put their foot in it when, um, when they did Daredevil. I think it was they, they did a really good job with Jessica Jones. I think they did a decent job with Luke Cage. Um, I think they did an absolutely fantastic job with The Punisher, and I think they just kind of let let up when they did uh, Iron Fist. I feel like they could have totally uh, done a better job with that, but. Uh, short of that you know going back to what they're doing on disney plus i think they're man they, they're knocking it out the park um you know we've already had wandavision and that was completely amazing and it's just opened up you know a whole different uh arena of possibilities and uh falcon and winter soldier is you know no slouch in that respect um you know, it's really funny because the one thing that I that I've uh, and we're going to we're going to spoil a lot of this, too. So if you haven't seen any of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, please, you know, pause, leave, you know, do what you got to do and then come back and we can talk about it. But um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. OK, the one thing that was evident to me, in you know, in the beginning was that there was a possibility that one of the two would be Captain America. And what's really funny, and if you, you know, if you've read comics, then you know that both Bucky, you know, and Sam have taken the mantle of Captain America, along with a lot of other people. But, you know, I digress. Um, but I think they had, they had set a lot of tones throughout the show to signify the possibility of one or the other being uh captain america you know there were scenes where you know sam would be throwing around the shield or or you know practicing and running around the house and then there was this one pivotal scene i believe it was uh the episode before the finale where bucky was holding the shield and i just said man it looks like he's he's embracing you know becoming that guy but of course you know we saw that uh he got he did he took made the call uh for a favor from Wakanda and uh ultimately we saw exactly what that favor was. It was a brand new uh brand new suit, Captain America suit. Um and I gotta say it like this. In it in its in its first reveal, you know, when he first hit the scene in the suit, I didn't buy it. I, I was like, that looks like crap. I felt like it was a little too much white in it. But I but once I kept watching, I was like, no, it totally makes sense. It wouldn't make sense any other way. Now, let me tell you what I really like about Sam as Captain America. Let me tell you what I really like. I like the fact that because this Captain America makes me feel more in 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 tune with the average person meeting these oppressions that captain america does so you know sam is fighting this guy um who the the original captain america steve rogers had fought and steve rogers had you know you know the guy was pretty formidable but it was just clear cut that he was not going to be captain america it was just not he was not 
you know, Cap Cap got got the upper leg on him uh, quite literally. And uh, yeah, this guy came back for some revenge. Um, <clears throat> and um, you know, he's fighting Falcon, or I mean, or Captain the the new Captain America, Sam. And what I really liked was that Sam was utilizing his his suit in order to accommodate the strength that Steve Rogers naturally had, if that makes any sense. So like when he would do like a shield rush to uh, knock his knock the dude off balance, he used the thrusters from from his uh, jetpack, which I was like, that's genius because <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly the 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 power that Steve Rogers would naturally have, but you're able to have this in this ingenious, you know, integration of technology to make you just as good as Steve Rogers. So it was it was really, really cool in that way. I really, really enjoyed that. And I I really enjoyed the symbolism of, you know, uh, you know, him flying around and how he looked and he just he looked like I I gotta say it, he looked more patriotic you know, in the way of, of representing Captain America than Captain America has looked since the original, um, the first Avenger film. Like that was the most patriotic that, you know, Steve Rogers had looked in the, in the, you know, the red, white, and blue. Um, but man, like Falcon, he, dude, he, he did it. I mean, he, he did. And, and, and I think, you know, and and I, I don't, you know, I don't like to look at this from a from a racial perspective but i do appreciate the tone um that that marvel was giving because i because i truly believe that it wasn't just about you know a black captain america i think it was about the representation that there can be a hero in any color you know it doesn't have to be you know whether he was a black Captain America, a Mexican Captain America, you know, like uh, he, you know, a Japanese, you know, American Captain America, um, you know, like everybody has a right to dress up in, you know, whatever suit, you know, makes them feel like, like if somebody feels like they are embodying and embracing the, the, the ideals and the character of Captain America, then damn it, they're Captain America. And I'm not going to argue with that. And, you know, like, I, I really enjoyed it. I truly enjoyed it. Um, I'm not going to say that they did my boy Bucky wrong. Cause I, cause I, I was, I was even talking to somebody online and I was like, you know what? I'm still holding out for Bucky. Like that's my guy. <clears throat> um, I definitely want to see him have a run uh, at some point as Captain America. Like maybe they do season two and, Maybe I don't know. Falcon gets hurt. <laughs> I'm not wishing this on anybody, but I'm just saying. Like I, I would really like to see uh, Bucky kind of do that thing. Um, but the one thing that I really okay. So, so here's where things just kind of get mixed up for me. Okay, so, um, so we we got the U.S. agent right who actually was christened the U.S. agent uh, towards the end of the show. Um, but I, so he was, so like, I, I, I couldn't remember, maybe I need to go watch the episode again, but like, this guy's totally decapitated somebody. All right, he totally decapitated somebody in public. And 
like he <laughs> what did he get a pardon or whatever like i don't know what the deal was but the fact that he was still able to operate and like nobody was throwing up a stink about his presence in any way shape or form i just thought it was a little weird and i did kind of think it was a bit funny because he had that shield and it was obviously not the shield of captain american it was just all broken and battered looking ugly and it was like something he made at home um but i don't know like i i just i couldn't get over the fact that this dude straight decapitated somebody and he's still able to he's still able to dress up as i i i know that that he's done it against the understanding in the will of the people who told him that he could not operate as captain america anymore i understand that but my thing is why were they not in pursuit of him when he violated that like why did they not come for him and what i don't know and maybe somebody can explain this to me i don't know who that chick is the one who thinks that everything is funny but she you know she seems like she's employing uh him as the u.s agent but i'm like okay well what unit are you with like who are you with like because I, I don't know that character and i can't really uh put my thumb on it from a comic uh perspective like i don't know who she is so if somebody can explain that to me that would be perfect but i did like um i did like his new suit uh u.s agent um it was you know it more embodied the look of the u.s agent of now in the comics so that was pretty cool um but overall i think it was just a very well done um uh show now everybody had already assumed that uh that carter was going to be the power broker everybody had assumed this and um, what her motivations were i think that's still up for debate or maybe not so much and maybe I, maybe i just am not so invested in her character and, and how that arc uh kind of weaved around um but yes she ended up being the power broker and um i think there's something to be said about the potential direction that you know a season two will lead into or maybe they'll flesh this out in a future film but uh you know there was a post-credit scene where they were giving her a full pardon uh the united states government was giving her a full pardon and she was able to come back to the u.s um whilst also being reintegrated into her former uh position so she's back um I believe with shield uh, or, you know, some capacity of, of high, you know, high level, uh, you know, military and, and, you know, just, she has, all, she has all these, this clearance and she said as much to, you know, an uncharacter, uncharacterized person on, on, an, on the line, you know, she was talking on a phone and she talks about how, you know, they may not have super soldiers anymore, but, they got, you know, access to all this otherworldly stuff that, you know, they're going to make a move on eventually. So she's still kind of doing some evil, evil stuff, which I'm really interested to see how that pans out. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like it 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 to me like and I, I said this last night to someone I said, you know, I had a I had a better time 
with the Falcon and Winter Soldier than I did with the Mortal Kombat. Like I saw Mortal Kombat three three times, but I don't know Falcon and Winter Soldier just like that that finale to me was just better than the entire film Mortal Kombat. And I think that I, you know like if I was to say like okay well which way should you spend your time I would say man go go watch Falcon and Winter Soldier like just go watch the whole season because <clears throat> it, it it's it's a real it's really good and it just again it reaffirms that marvel marvel is always going to know what they're doing they're always going to be taking you know the uh the best position you know to to get to get product out and to make you know to make the best that they can and this is you know like there's no exception like like falcon and winter soldier was a very well done uh season it was super good um and i and i i'm hoping for more so what you know what does that really say about sequels and you know and new seasons i you know because the one thing that the one thing that i i think i think that i think all i think making a point to plan a sequel or plan a trilogy i think that is more of a detriment I think what 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 people need to really do is they just need to go out and just really put everything in where it fits. You know, like like I think I think Mortal Kombat is only lacking because it feels like it, it feels like it's leaning on the possibility of of being a lengthy story over a few films. Because I feel like by the second or third film, it's all going to make sense. Right. But. It would have to me. It would have been better <clears throat> if they just put a hundred and ten percent into this one film, and then based on that, you know, give us the potential of telling a second story. I feel like I feel like it's it, it's it's easier or better for you to try to figure out a second story as opposed to planning for one. Because when you plan for it, then you're just forgetting the things that you need to do in the first part. So I, I I don't know. Like that that's the way I looked at it, and and it's clear, you know, and you know it's it's really funny because like they they set it up in Mortal Kombat, you know, in the final scene, and uh, Raiden says, "Oh well, you know, I'm making a list of new champions, and <clears throat> you know, we need to go and get them to line them up for the next tournament and whatever," and. Uh, they only really revealed <clears throat> that they were looking for one person and it was Johnny Cage. Um, because I know a lot of people probably, well, well, I know when I first saw Cole, uh, when they were showing the stills of the characters and stuff, I thought he was going to be Johnny Cage because I didn't know his name was Cole at that time. So I was like, okay, that's their, their, that's their look on Johnny Cage, which I wasn't against it, but, um, I am interested to see how they go about, um, integrating Johnny Cage. Um, they did have some throwaways though. <clears throat> um, you know, they, they, you know, they showed, you know, they had the statue of, Sh- of Shao Kahn. So, you know, there's a character there. They had a, uh, picture of Kotal Kahn, uh, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, they had a newspaper clipping of Nightwolf, which I thought was super cool. And then they have, <clears throat> then they have the mural of the great Kung Lao. So, you know, they've addressed, 
different characters. I guess you can call them Easter eggs or whatever. Um, but it would have been cool to just kind of pass some of these characters, you know, like in, in a lack of interest of fighting or something like they could have just ran it. Like maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe they could have been driving or something <clears throat> and picked up a hitchhiker and it could have been, you know, Nightwolf without, you know, obviously without the makeup, maybe looked a little different. And, you know, maybe like as he left the scene, they say, oh, he has that marking. But where'd he go? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm just I'm thinking outside the box because I, I really I, I think by the second film, you know, because they're obviously going to do a second film. They really have to up the ante. Obviously, they have to bring new baddies. But I don't know if bringing um, Shao Kahn is going to make, you know, is it going to make the Shang Tsung character have to take a back seat and become less than what he was? Because he delivered pretty, pretty well as far as his lines and stuff like that. He he seemed like a worthy, you know, threatening opposition. Um, it was so evident to me that um, that uh, Sub-Zero is going to become Noob Saibot. So I, 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 I could just see that coming. Um, I wonder if they're going to address, you know, his brother, you know, as far as uh, maybe av avenging his, you know, his older brother's death or whatever, however they want to look at it. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what a second film potentially does to move the franchise forward. Um, so yeah, that, that was uh mortal Kombat and Falcon and winter soldier. And, you know, it's really funny because, you know, and I was talking about this online as well. You know, when when we had shows and cartoons and, and, and movies, you know, a lot of this stuff would have an effect on the uh, the action figure market. And I just feel like they don't they don't really do that anymore. Like, I really don't feel like they do that anymore. Um, I don't, it, it's it's well, it's different from when I was growing up versus like today. Um, cause I know when I was growing up, every, every single thing that came out had an action figure, you know, like, uh, you know, back, back then, like the big thing was star Wars and they had star Wars figures all over the place. You know, it was just like a mania, you know, and shows that came on TV, you know, it seemed like any cartoon that came on TV had a freaking toy line with it. You know, when Batman came out, the Tim Burton Batman toys were all over the shelf. And I mean, they, they still make action figures, but I don't know. Like, like you know, when, when I walk down an aisle and I look at the action figures today versus the ones I knew when I was a child, they're so different. They're so different. And I think the biggest difference that I see is the fact that the, these action figures they make today, they, they really don't look like toys to be played with. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't see, I like I, if I was a parent buying toys for a child, I would be hesitant to buy action figures today because I'd be like, they're just so articulate and there's just so much going on with these. Like they don't, they don't just look like little toys that you bash together and play fight them or whatever they look like they need to be stood up on a shelf and collected and i think that's i think that's the the big picture here is that you know when 
you know, back in the day when they made toys, they really made toys to be played with. You know, like they, you know, like they would have, you know, they'd have action figures that had, you know, um, different moves and stuff like, oh, push his button on his back and he does like a karate chop or something, you know, and they don't make them like that anymore. They, they articulate them very well and they have the likeness of the people or characters that um, they are portraying. And that's always good. But I don't really feel like they need to look that awesome to appeal to children. You know what I mean? Like they, you know, make them like they, like they used to be, you know, like I remember when I used to play with uh, a series of toys called He-Man and that was a cartoon that came out way, way back when. And um, yeah, like they sold all these different characters. And I remember this one particular one, like, um, like they had it where you could kind of pull the character back and have and you know once you release them he'd ream forward and it would cause a a, a, a cap to you know to, it'll hammer a cap and then he'll he'll make a pop sound so it was almost like he was punching the you know whoever you had him standing in front of and it was like those little things that was just really really interesting and innovative you know I remember when I had the Karate Kid um, action figures and they all every one of them had like some. Uh, some kind of action move or something rather. And we're just missing that. We're totally missing that. We're totally missing that. Like, I, I don't know um, where, you know, I don't know where, I, I, I feel like this happens through toys. I feel like it's happening in video games. I feel like it's happening just in media in general. I feel like there's less innovation happening to cater to, those that are growing up now i feel like we're still catering to people who grew up yesterday you know like the you know like these uh like these movies and things right like like we're making movies about games that came out in the 90s you know like we're still catering to our memories as opposed to giving new memories to our kids you know like like what like what what are what are their what are their uh video games and what are their um you know things that they are gonna fall in love with and say oh I remember when I was a kid this is this is what I had these are the things I remember like I don't think there's gonna be too much of that like I don't I don't see much originality as far as you know because I don't want my kids talking about Mortal Kombat like that's my memory. And if they're talking about my memories, then, you know, it's just it's just an interconnected web that really d- is cheating them out of having a, a, leg- a legit, you know, process of, of growth like that, that. I don't know. Like I'm looking at it weird. Um, but I think, you know, again, <clears throat> if if you make action figures to cater to people who may have been fans years ago, like like Marvel, they do it like they have their legend series. And they're just basically making, um, you know, characters based on comics that were out in the 90s, 80s, 70s. And they're though that's who they're really meant for. Those characters, those those uh, action figures are not meant for kids. They are meant for fans who've been fans forever. You know, WWE does it. You know, they make you know, they make their current, uh, you know, um, superstars, but they also make 
you know, a line of their, you know, classic superstars because and what what kid is really going to understand or know anything about a Brutus Beefcake or a Rowdy Piper or a Hacksaw Jim Duggan? Like if you ask a kid seriously that question, I, they wouldn't have an answer for you unless their parents are really teaching them about the history of wrestling. But, you know, like what kid would just like run into a Target or Walmart and say, oh, I got to find that Iron Sheik uh uh, uh, figure. No, it's not. It's not them. It's the parents. You know, like we're we're still catering to people who have grown up and had their time. So I don't. I don't know. I I, I. I. don't know. Like, it would just be cool to see things kind of go in the direction that allow kids to be kids again. Because I think that's what we're kind of missing. I think kids are really just kids today are just a connection of their parents and you know their experiences and I just don't I feel like we're cheating our kids out of having true childhood you know like I like I don't know like I I grew up and I could I could sit here and I could rattle off maybe 15 20 cartoons movies and things that I had in my childhood and I don't think, you know, I think if a kid today did the same exact thing, I would say 50 percent of that would would be things that had existed when I was a kid, you know. And, and to me, that's just not fair. Like we got to innovate for these kids. we got to show them, you know, that we care about them and we got to give them new stuff, you know. And I think uh, I think the big uh, another big side of that is, you know, we we. You know, and I, and when I say we, I say anybody that's 25 and older, you know, we have to get over this notion that certain video games are bad. You know, like, honestly, I don't even understand why we review video games because there's a game for everybody, right? Like, that's how I look at it. There's a game for everybody. But I, I do feel like the, I do feel like the industry focuses more on the older gamers when in fact it was the kids who gave the industry the injection that it needed you know we 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 now we who we are now were the kids that gave this industry what it is what it what it you know what it needed but we're not again we're not catering to our children now and then when games come out you know, that are more cartoony or whatever, we want to call them whack and say that they're not worth the money. But if we give our kids a chance to take that originality and run with it, then they can have a different perspective and different innovations will be born. But again, I'm thinking outside of my box. I'm in my own, uh, own my own world as far as how I'm thinking about stuff like that. Uh, shout out to my friend, John, because John was the uh, one who, uh, recommended that I speak about past and present in, in a sense, you know, a little bit of nostalgia, um, which again, I don't, I don't really, I don't really, I, I think nostalgia is a good thing to have in memory, but I don't think it needs to be commemorated, you know, in place of what could, could help a child truly have an imagination and dreams. And we can't spark imagination and dreams with putting, cell phones and iPads in the hands of these kids, you know, 
Um, and it's cool. To, it's cool to have them play our retro games and, you know, experience the things that made us happy as children. But let's try to understand what makes them happy too. you know, go, go, you know, take, take them, you know, take them to the store and have them, you know, go and look at the selection of switch games or whatever, and just pick out whatever they think is interesting. Cause that, that's how you truly grow. You know, that's how you truly grow. And then the other part about it is we got to stop buying. We got to stop buying every little thing, every little time. Because that like, like, remember when we were kids, right? When we were kids, we, we didn't get games every, every week or every month. We got games, at least I, when I was a kid, we got a game every year or maybe twice a year, your birthday and Christmas, you know, and getting a system was a big deal, but it should be a big deal for the kid. Like how many, you know, like think of it, like, let me, let me ask this question and, and I'm pretty sure I already know the answer, but I'd like to ask it because I want people to think about this. When is the last time that you've seen a video of a kid opening a console on Christmas Day or on their birthday with a heightened level of excitement? It doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't. I mean, you might get your and, and, and it's funny because we, we kind of set this precedence that, you know, kids can only have a certain console. So like we're we're saying, oh, well, we're just going to give our kids the Nintendo switch. But that that again, that's what I mean, like you got your PS5, you got your Xbox Series X, you got all these other systems and, you know, it's it's all catering to older gamers it's not catering to the imagination and the creativity of children which is that that's where it started you know they're still catering to us and i think i think we have to really think about that i think we have to think really hard about how to get our kids involved in creating their own dreams, their own memories, their own childhood. But that's a, a story for another day. So we'll jump into that another time. Um, again, shout out to John. If you uh, want to talk to John or check him out on the Twitter, uh, you can hit him up. Uh, really interesting guy. Really uh, enjoy the conversations we have. Uh, you can hit him up on John. Uh, it's at John isn't fun, and it's J O N. Again, that's John isn't fun. Uh, give him a shout out. Tell him say thanks, man, for giving James something to talk about <clears throat> on the podcast. Because I know I will thank him uh, once this show uh, gets online. But hey, guys, that's gonna do it for me. I really do appreciate you guys coming around, uh, hanging out with me. Uh, talking about all of the weirdness and awesomeness that we experience in this world. And uh, yeah, just you guys are great. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you guys already know the drill. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I will see you guys next time. Bye guys. <laughs>